I don't get it, Diane. What are the answers? <laughs> there is no answer, I mean, because you can't get inside the head of the other person is the thing. So you can't, you don't get to, we don't have that privilege. And uh, we should, darn it. <laughs> when it comes to art, we should be able, we should have all, we should have full access to the whole process, the whole thing. And not be uh, left in the dark to, you know, like the mis- mystery and mystique is the thing. It's not the thing. <laughs> It's a whole other thing. You know, I mean, if you want to know what the thing is, you got to go something like, it's 9.32 a.m. Saturday, November the 14th, 2020. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane show. There you go. I like you in a bandana. I'm only in a bandana, Diane, because my hair is... I've completely lost control of my hair in the isolation times. I got one haircut back in, I think, uh, April or May or something. And now I'm afraid to go get another haircut, so this is it. I like you in a bandana, I feel like I'm trying to be, you know... Somebody from Guns N' Roses or something, you know, I'm trying to be, or Motley Crue, you know, I feel like a, a ni- late 1980s hair band uh, guy. I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip. Which is really not, I just don't think that's a look that I can pull off. Yeah, I am an angel. So. I still like you. Really. Okay. Okay, Alice says she likes me. She likes my bandana period. I had a bandana period when Alice was small. I used to I used to try and grow my hair out because I thought it would be nice if I could be one of those ponytail guys because just in terms of upkeep of your hair it seemed a lot simpler. Oh, I totally understand. Yeah. That's why I have but, long hair myself. But so. my hair just gets fat. It doesn't get long. <laughs> it just it just gets it just starts to look like a helmet. You know, probably if I brushed it all the time and all that kind of stuff and was trying to train it more, you know, actively. I might I might be able to get away with it, but I just don't have that kind of patience. I'm trying to do something where I won't have to mess with it anymore. And you know, you got to ask yourself at this point in the show, Diane. You have to ask, what important topics do they skip over? Pardon me, I'm gonna have another drink of coffee. To where they end up talking about Bill's hair. You boy. Yeah. That's good coffee. Wasn't there something? Weren't they? Didn't they have a point when they started the recording? Weren't they trying to get somewhere? Not here. Yeah. So, I can only say it's been another hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, as per usual, and turn the proceedings over to you, Diane, where there might be something that's an actual topic. <laughs> Are those? Okay. Wow, I'm just noticing the pattern on your p- pants. I didn't know that you had one with, like, leaf patterns on yeah. it. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I bought this... this uh, Hair <laughs> and pants. Come on. Yeah, we're not done. But, but I, uh, I bought these because they were on sale. Oh, okay. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't because I was choosing it, but I really like them too. I, was, I looked over first and I thought, what did she spill on her pants? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, That's a pattern it's, it's on the pants. It's a pattern with little, like, dandelion puffs and... and dandelion like, puffs, yeah. And vines and... Another important topic that... Uh, Everybody's been dying to hear about Yes, it. yes. Well, does anybody listen to our show for <laughs> important topics Probably that they're dying not. to hear? Probably not. I don't think Probably so. Yeah. Yeah. It has been a hectic week. Uh, 
But more, it, it's been a very interesting week because I was kind of on again, off again at work. Yeah. Uh, because we had Veterans Day holiday. Right. And on that day, I had already planned to do a an interview with Eric Tingstad, uh, who was going to be my next, one of the performers of my next first album article. Um, it's going to be a, on Nancy Rumble and Eric Tingstad. Right. The album is and The Gift, which is amazing. You know, they, they really had considerable success with their albums. Oh, and yeah. I was thinking at the time that Eric didn't know me, that uh, I would... So I was feeling like, okay, I'm going to go into that interview. I'm going to just be really quick and, and let him off the hook early because, you know, he's a busy guy and he doesn't have time to talk to, to me. And and I get on the phone and he's immediately just chatting up and saying, didn't I work on the Victory Music Board of Directors with you and start bringing in all these these people's names that that we were on the board with? And I was just like, were we on the board of directors together? But then I remembered that back in those days, I would not have known who any of those people uh, on the board those, of directors None was. of those people had, had were people of prominence in the musical world at that point. Well, and, but not but, only that, but I wouldn't have known them yeah, had they been. You because know, you, I, you were learning as you went. You yeah. Know, you, were kind of, you knew about Jim Page, and, and the rest of it was all just like a wide-eyed absorption of... All this local music that exposed oh, it's, itself to you over well, time certainly was a wide-eyed absorption, but but it turned out to be a very informal and and fun conversation, and I was I was kind of amazed at that, and then, uh, and then after that, I called a friend from high school that I have not spoken to since high school, right, and. That's one of the fascinating things to me about Facebook. You know, people have all... I still wish we would have recorded that conversation, too. I wish we had, too. I hadn't even thought of it, but I should have. Because to backtrack a little bit... Well, first I'm going to make my statement about Facebook. because Because a lot of times people... uh, With anything that comes into our lives, it can be used for good or ill, right? And... And for me, as we've talked about before, my Facebook experience has been actually a wonderful one because I I do curate my page to include certain kinds of things and, and not include others. But one of the things that I've always thought was so fascinating about Facebook is that you have all these people from different periods of your life as friends you know they've asked you to be their friends or whatever and and I had a quite a group of high school uh, people befriend me on Facebook and unbeknownst to them most likely I have since unfriended them because I'm just not communicating if I'm not communicating with somebody on Facebook I feel like what's the point you know I don't need a whole bunch of people uh, as friends you know I really want to have friends that I'm really talking to in some way and so out of that group of high school people there are only a few that remain in my friend list and and the interesting thing about John is I only knew him for about a year Uh, I was on this group called rally Um, it was sort of like uh, you were saying it was 
maybe like your pep squad type of thing. And he was the leader of that group. And uh, so I knew him in that venue. And then my brother was really close well, I don't know whether they're really close friends, but they were friends. Right. They, they were in drama together. They, uh, they shared a love of chess, and so they became friends. But I was not a part of that friendship. And I, uh, so he was kind of peripheral friend in my life. And then when I became a friend of his on Facebook... I became aware of, I've told you oftentimes that it's funny, it's almost like all these people that I liked in high school, then I find out why I like them, because back then everything's kind of a muddle. But, uh, But now I was saying, man, this guy is really intelligent and, uh, and funny and, and everything. So, but I knew that he was, that he's a Republican. And he's been having a lot of uh, arguments uh, with people on his page because he is not a Trump supporter. And now I'm going to go into the the piece that interests me, that we have a friend uh, in our Westminster basement group. The, <laughs> the basementeers is what we call ourselves. You know, the, the people that uh, participate in a conversation. It's a, it's a, it's a group on Facebook called the Westminster Basement Study Group. Westminster Hall was the English department building at Whitworth College. And uh, most of the people in the group, Diane being the only one that didn't go to, Diane's the honorary member (laughs) of the Westminster Basement Study Group, but the rest of the people all are Whitworth graduates and and, or Whitworth, former Whitworth professors. And uh, yeah, that's who makes up this group on Facebook. And we also have been meeting via Zoom every other Sunday. And that's... Uh, is that this week? No, is this no week? it was last week. Oh, too bad. <laughs> but Val, one of the members of our group, was doing something that I felt was so honorable and admirable, which was that she was, she had formed a group to talk to different people of different ideologies, specifically uh, political ideologies, to just have people talk about their experience and why they do what they do. And and I was thinking, especially after watching the debate, well, it wasn't a debate, the mudslinging that was going on on John's page because he was not uh, participating in, in being a Trump supporter, even though he's a Republican. And people were were basically calling him a liberal and, you know, saying, oh, you, you're a liberal lackey or something. And I was thinking, what? You know, so, <laughs> so I decided that it would be very interesting to talk to John because he had a, he, his ideology matched what my parents' uh, ideology was, I believed. My parents had both been Republicans and um, they tended to be more in the centrist Republican. I was more of a centrist liberal. And I would say that they were conservative and I was liberal, you know, but more towards the center. And we had phenomenal conversations over the course of my life. And sometimes they could be, get, could be very spirited, no doubt. But we always listened to each other and always respected each other. And, right. and so... 
other than just talking to this man that I had not spoken to since since we were young sprouts, you know. Uh, it was just the most fascinating conversation, and uh, I really, you guys really. You on the phone for a couple of hours. Well, I, I think like for two and a half hours or something. Yeah. I just really appreciated his <coughs> uh, his insights and and oh man, it was just the most fascinating conversation. And so that was a big part. Those two things happened on Veterans Day, and then I and then. We talked to Alice um, on, what day was that? Friday? Uh, 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 no, Thursday? Thursday. Was it Thursday? Yeah. Man. And that was a fascinating yeah. conversation. Yeah. Talking about her genogram thing. Yeah, she's been involved in this genogram project for her uh, master's course in family counseling. And I've been really interested in genograms for a while because uh, one of the professors that I worked with... And I never knew what even what they were, just to, oh, just right. to place my, uh, my perspective in here. I had no idea that... And it's because, I, from what I understand about them, they're kind of a graphic uh, layout. It's like a, like a flow chart or something, they, they, you know. And those kinds of things just have never been... Uh, a good way for me to gain information. But. Yeah, it is interesting how yeah. everybody works in that way. Right. But uh, just to give uh, one of the definitions that somebody wrote up, a genogram is a graphic representation of a family tree that displays detailed data on relationships among individuals. It goes beyond a traditional family tree by allowing the user to analyze hereditary patterns and psychological factors that punctuate relationships. And uh, basically, it has, uh, in, in her assignment, there is not only the family tree, but the because apparently with genograms, you can do it on a whole bunch of things. You could do it for illnesses or uh, you know to just follow a family's history of illness you can do it on emotional relationships which was a component of Alice's uh, genogram and you can do it on just the the information that is passed because of your own historical references which was also a part of uh, of Alice's genogram and I just found that project to be so fascinating, both from the things that she has asked you and the fact that she was saying that, uh, well, actually, I'm not sure that she said this. I think that one of the people, one of the basement ears said that she was very fortunate that she had a family member who, or, you know, family members who would participate because a lot of people may say, I don't want to give you that information about me and i just found that so fascinating that conversation yeah it's a great was a great conversation and the the assignment is designed in this as part of this program to train people in in marriage and family counseling which is basically relationship counseling i would think um, to define their own biases their own perspective 
to a point to where they know what they, as the as the counselor, uh, are bringing into the conversation at any given moment, and so as to to help them not uh, not to make determinations about another person based on their own biases. And I just think that's a, a great uh, kind of starting point in this training that she's going through. So I just thought, wow, what a great idea to have to have the future counselor be aware, be more self-aware going in, you know, because I never, you never really think about somebody when you're in a counseling situation, you don't really think about, you assume that the counselor is free of any uh, encumbrance based on their own experience, but why would you? I mean, what, when well, you think actually, about it, it's just another person sitting here, uh, they may have training and stuff like that to help them listen with an open mind, but for as a as a starting point they have to define what is open mind for them and, uh, well but also i think that it's just i think it's pretty normal for any sort of counseling counselor to have gone through their own counseling because yeah. how would you even know i mean not even that you'd be bringing biases into the situation with other people, but you need to understand what this is like yourself because you have to understand the mental roadblocks you're going to put up, the, the sensitivities, because nobody is going through this life without some of those, you know? And, but even having that assignment that she had and, and realizing what genograms have done, because I've seen, uh, certainly the, the professor that I worked with had shown me the genogram that he had made for his family. And he said it was absolutely revealing to him because he had in his family, there was a, a stepmother that he had that he had hostility towards. And um, it helped him uncover a lot of stuff that he had not really dealt with for a long, long time because he just didn't have to, you know. So one of the things I thought was so fascinating about it is it really shows, as a family tree shows, how far that web of your experience goes out. You know, like now I'm a part of your family, but your family had all these people in it, and my family has all these people in it, and now we're all connected. And then all the the peripheral connections that come into those connections. And, and for me, the genogram is so fascinating because I am a graphic person. Mm-hmm. So for me, it really makes a lot of visual sense as well. But it's kind of showing, okay, here are areas through a shorthand graphically that you could see there's damage here, there's strength here, there, you know, in the relationships here. And I just find it amazing. And, and I think that the one great thing about this conversation with Alice is she's exploring some of her own past. And I just find her to be a phenomenal, uh, person as far as being able to say I I didn't do everything right in my life and I regret some of the things that I did and um, and I want to resolve it somehow and her desire to resolve 
with various family members and I think it's just so wonderful. Yeah, she's got uh, she's got a big brain on her, and uh, <laughs> she's not afraid to use it, and, which is great. She's I mean uh, I admire her on so many levels, but her fearlessness is is profound uh, to me, and I just applaud it and encourage it any way I can, and. Uh, you know, she's she's after she's pursuing honesty, and you know all those things. Those that's those are big ideas that are worth pursuing, and it's nice for me as her dad to see her going at it with such uh, fervor and intent and and with uh, lofty goals. Well, I admire seeing the two of you communicating about all this because. Uh, as a father and being a, a parent, a lot of fathers would not do what you're doing with her, you know, the exploring some of those, those issues that went on. Yeah. Because a lot of, and I, I am using the fathers of my generation as a launch off point, but certainly people are different now. But man, a lot of fathers from my generation not mine not yours but a lot of them were not they did not want to talk yeah, about anything self-revelatory at all yeah, yeah that's and, true and it was the kind of that was kind of the male identity the stony silent strong you know right. yeah my way or the highway I mean, you know, not so. even that just uh just you know men don't cry men don't show emotion men don't you know Stuff like that. But I just think that it's so interesting to look at your life in, in various forms and um, for all of those things that a genogram would cover. You know, the, the history part was very interesting to me because as you look at each, because one of her questions was what sorts of, historical reference points does your generation have and in terms of world events world events events that were casting a tinge of thought over your whole generation and man you know even when you're thinking about those things and how different each generation's historical reference points are you know when i think about my parents for example with the Great Depression and World War Two, and you know their historical references, even if you didn't study history, just because of all the things that they talked to you about and how it influenced their lives. And because my parents went through that experience, but your parents didn't, I have a different stance about life than you do uh, about certain things. Because your parents were about 10 years older than my parents. Right. So different so, generation so for me the the stories of the great depression uh particularly really struck home because it was such a traumatic event in that generation that it was talked about all the time and everything was referenced to that like you don't want to put money in stocks uh, foolishly or you you don't want to speculate and you know all these things don't that don't buy something you can't afford to pay for yeah kind of exactly yeah. and that has has still 
been uh, in my life in a, a almost like dyed in the wool thought. Yeah. So fascinating stuff to me. Fascinating stuff, Diane. And then yesterday I had a long conversation with my brother. I think yeah. it was like a couple of hours or more. And and he has gotten involved in his church with a there's a man who is has written a book called Dear Church. He's a black pastor in Lutheran um just in the Lutheran Church. Right. And apparently the Lutheran Church, which is the the church I grew up in what is the whitest church in America. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. so he has been putting some challenges to the church and talking about some of the, the uh, issues. And my brother has been part of a interesting group that's talking about reparations. And I don't know, I just, I find all of those things to be so fascinating to, to think about all the tumult that's going on right now, but all the, the attempts at coming to grips with things yeah. and being more open to different points of thought than we have been in the, the past. Yeah. And the, past, that, the past is not dead. That's right. Yeah. What about you, Bill? What's going on in your world this week? Well, I was part of all those things. <laughs> I, you, know, you I, didn't, I wasn't part of the John Pond conversation or the... A conversation with your brother, but I was listening in and recording the Eric Tingstead conversation, and and uh, you know I, I was part of the conversation with Alice. You know, I was there. Remember? I know you were. Okay. <laughs> well, I just was wondering if so you had anything happened. else well, besides uh, you know bandana period and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other than dealing with my hair, you know, that's been a big part of my you know. No, um, I'm taking a week off from the Treehouse concert. And uh, because I think I just I just uh, needed a little R and R time, and it because it's become my week has been shaped around it. It's like now that it's Saturday, I'm thinking, wait, I haven't done the I haven't done the done the thing or the thing. I'm starting to all these things are starting to enter my mind that I need to be ready, and I'm I'm kind of free of that for a week, and that that gives me a sense of. Uh, being able to recharge a little bit, which is nice. Well, and then you get to have a bit of a vacation because that's your work. Yeah. It, it seems odd to me that, I mean, there's what? There's a, you know, uh, 168 hours in a week, and I spend all my time preparing for one of them. <laughs> You know, it's 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 strange to me that that is the phenomenon that I'm experiencing, but yet it's true because I do put a lot of thought into it, uh, and do a fair amount of preparation for it, and love it, and it's it's something that I can treat with uh, a kind of a, attention that is only available to me in this phase of my life. If I was still working a full time job, I wouldn't have this bandwidth. I wouldn't have this mental space uh so it's nice to have that and to notice that i have it and to you know realize that i can move about in it pretty much as i want to uh and bring whatever i want to uh to that hour on tuesday night which is just you know it's like how how where did i get what did i do what did i do to get this uh to be given this privilege at this stage of my life i don't know 
but I you were it, yourself. It, That's what you did. It, well, it, yeah, but it just resonates in me all the time, and it's nice uh, for me to take a to have a week off to take a breath and just kind of you know I don't know it it, it you, you get the you get the thesis the antithesis and the synthesis. It's you know it's like it's nice to be able to recognize uh, how I'm choosing to shape my my weeks now. So that is good. Uh, the conversation with Alice was incredibly, not not enlightening, but just so engaging that it it's something that you continue. It continues to resonate in your thought for days and weeks after. So that's good too. The plan for the next concert is, I'm excited about the next concert. So I've got that kind of anticipatory part to think about. That's about it. I don't know what else. What else happened? Nothing. Yeah. Is there anything I'm leaving out? I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, the choice of music is from this week of dynamic conversations, uh, because particularly the one with Alice and my conversation with my brother too kind of feeds into that, which is. um, But even the one with Eric Tinkstead. Well, yeah, all of them, all, and John, yeah. who I have not spoken with for so many it's years, all this, and the it's all the, the resonance cyclic, of the past coming yeah. forward, and and a reflecting a reflection on those past things and those right. formative moments in our lives. You know, it made me think this morning about <coughs> the song that I love by uh, by Sting, and I don't usually say let's go for a superstar kind of guy Although for we've done them in we the have well certainly paul simon and, and jethro you know, and yeah Peter Gabriel guys, and, but, you know, yeah. but uh but there's a song by sting that i don't maybe it's more known than uh, than i think i don't but think it was a radio hit it was not a radio hit and i just happened upon it one time because I do like Sting. I'm not, I uh, don't follow everything he does, but I do like a lot of his material. And He's a great songwriter. He is a great songwriter. And I think that it's his intelligence and his topics are always fascinating to me. In fact, he, he wrote, uh, or he had this album called Soul Cages, which did not become a popular hit producing thing either, but I just found to be a fascinating album because of his his very uh, wise and interesting lyrics. But this particular song has really stuck with me. And as I say, I just randomly found it and have listened to it over and over sometimes because the lyrics are so powerful to me. And it seemed like with all of these these uh, resonances of this week, it was the right lyrical content. Um, it's called The Book of My Life. And I was reading the lyrics to, to Bill this morning, and I started weeping because... And for me, I don't cry just because... I'm touched. I don't cry just because I'm sad. I cry when something's true. And I just thought that, that these lyrics are so true. And one of the, the lines I like the most is, there were angry, angry words spoken when I should have wept. 
and I was thinking about all those situations in our lives that are that way. And uh, I just think his the power of one line that that's something I was telling you this morning, the thing that I appreciate so much about poets, and I don't have this uh, ability, is that they can they can distill everything down into this very short line. They can distill it down so it's to you you don't have to use a lot of words to understand and I obviously don't have that since I'm always pontificating <laughs> in some way. Yours is not a reductive uh rhetorical style and no I see. mine is more Expansive. mine is more prose rather than poetry yeah. so i always am trying to detail i'm almost like a debate style so i'm going to detail it out one and two and three you know so it's because your art form diane is organization well and you do that in your speech as well as in your writing and in everything you do but i do love to experience people's and, poetic power. And then we had a separate conversation about about album production. Yes. Because we were searching for a version of this Sting song where you could actually hear the words clearly. Yeah. And it's hard to find. And because the, the first version I heard, it's beautiful melodic stuff and he's got some um, interesting... He's got like sitars and, right. and tablas and the production is elegant and wonderful and lush. But you can't hear the But the words. lyrics are buried too far back in the mix, <laughs> yeah. and I just don't understand that because you could have all that lushness, but bring the words forward so that they can be heard. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me, and so we had a, a, a discussion about that, and we finally were looking around on YouTube to see if there was a version of it uh, available with Sting performing it where you could hear the words better, and we found one where, which is where you can hear the words better. And so that's the that's the version we're going to present. Although we both agreed that we would have loved to have just heard yeah. uh, him play it with just him singing with the guitar. Yeah. I think that that would be. But that's love that's, to hear a stripped down version of yeah, this one. But that's that's reflective our of another set of biases that are right. ours, and, and that's you know, you got to allow Sting his creative uh, uh, space. But I just I don't understand that, and I've heard it. Uh, all my life I've, you know, been impressed by the lyric in a song and then wonder why it's so hard to hear. And, you know, if that's if supposed to be, you know, it seems like a, an unnecessary uh, something. If you've got good lyrics, man, you want to put them out there where people can hear it. And I, I don't want to influence our listeners too much about my own thoughts about this song, but the reason why I love this is because of that celebration of people who will be self-revelatory, will explore the painful as well as the victorious parts of their lives because those are the people I love to know. Yeah. Not just the people who are saying, yeah, I'm just so great. You know? uh, and, so. you know, people who recognize that there is value in letting the emotion out of these experiences that we have kept uh, hidden even from ourselves, uh, there's value in, in working through that stuff. Yeah. And uh, you can't do it in silence. You can't do it right. just in your head. It doesn't really work. 
And that's why this was the one song that came up in my mind to kind of represent what was going on during the week. And then we followed up with another favorite by him. Sentence is true. 